This is the Hiking Through Life podcast. We've all been gifted a journey called life. Let's see where the journey leads us today. Welcome to the Hiking Through Life podcast, where we talk with people who in some way, shape, or form have been influenced by the outdoors. I'm Andy, the producer of this podcast, and my lovely wife, Sarah, will be your host. Together, we make up Hiking Through Life. This podcast is all about bringing all kinds of people who are inspired by the outdoors and sharing their stories. We hope that by sharing people's stories, it inspires others to get out and live a more meaningful life. Tune in every week for new episodes, or better yet, subscribe to the Hiking Through Life podcast on your favorite podcast provider. If you enjoy this podcast, please share it with others. Also, if you have a story to share or know of anyone who might be interested in being a guest on this podcast, head on over to hikingthroughlife.net slash podcast and get in touch with us. Now sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Today, we have Emily and Bertie Mandigi on the podcast. They are an outdoor adventure team who are also partners in life. Together, they are a dynamic duo living the travel blogger life full-time. They travel to beautiful places, mostly in the Pacific Northwest, share insider tips of off-the-beaten-path places, and share fresh perspectives on living an authentic life of adventure. We are really excited to hear your guys' story today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having having us. us. Yeah. So I kind of just want each of you to talk about your childhood and growing up, what the outdoor lifestyle was like for each of you. I know Bertie grew up in Indonesia, so I think that'll be a cool perspective to hear. Yeah, my name is Bertie and I did grow up in Indonesia. Um, I mean, I moved to the U.S. when I was 12 years old, so I was fairly young um, when I was there. Um, we had like some beaches and stuff, but we were never like big hikers because a lot of the hikes in Indonesia was like, you know, in a, in a jungle, like a rainforest and it's pretty like the trail is not maintained. So like my dad never took us hiking in those kind of places, but we've been to like volcanoes and stuff. And we did travel a lot because my dad, uh, he, he was a sailor. So we would visit a lot of the islands in Indonesia. There's 13,000 islands. So like, that's like our vacation pretty much. We just sailed with him and, and just got our sense of adventure from that, I guess. But when I moved to the U.S., um, I lived with my uncle and my aunt. My uncle is a big hiker, like huge, like anytime, you know, like I don't have a gear, he would take me to REI. He would spend so much money on gear and he just doesn't care if it comes to outdoor gear. But with anything in life, he's like, make sure he saves all his money, (laughs) which is so funny to see. But um, so we would always have the nicest gears, you know, nicest tent. Uh, We were just always prepared. And um, we would go backpacking, hiking, camping, pretty much every weekend in the summer. And so when you moved here, like, did you move without your parents and went to live with your aunt and uncle? I did. So my aunt is my mom's younger sister. Um, Long story short, she couldn't have any kids. So she asked my mom if she could adopt me or my brother, my brother didn't want to. So I um, volunteered myself and uh, yeah, I live with my aunt and um, legally she's my mom in the U S so she like legitimately adopted me. And then my uncle is just someone she married, I guess, (laughs) but he's an American. uh, Just someone uh, who loves REI. Yes. (laughs) Someone who loves REI, the outdoor. Yeah. 
he was like a part of the like Mount Rainier hiking club, all these things. So um, I got introduced to the outdoor very quickly. Um, I had never seen snow before and he took me, the first time I saw snow is he took me skiing. That was really fun too. So cool. That's so cool that they wanted to welcome you over and show you, show you life here. I love that. 100%. Yeah. That, they're really fun. Was that in Washington then? Yes. That was just 30 minutes North of Seattle in Everett, Washington. Yeah. Okay. Always been a Washington guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Emily? So I actually, so I grew up here in Spokane, Washington. Bertie and I met in college in Seattle, but I guess my outdoor experiences started with my family. My dad was really, really big on camping trips and um, we would go every Memorial Day weekend. We'd go every summer, like all the weekends. Uh, we would go camping with all my friends from school. And so I just have really fond memories of like all the parents playing like card games around the picnic table. And then us kids are like biking loops around the campground, you know, just like playing until it was so dark outside we couldn't see anymore. <laughs> so I just had a lot of fond memories growing up camping with my family. It wasn't necessarily like backpacking but we would take like the trailer and the tent and just make it a big event it was really fun so I definitely loved camping from a young age and now that we're married and we've kind of like are starting those traditions ourselves mm -hmm. we're kind of doing more like backpacking backcountry trips and that has been really fun to do as well so that's kind of where my outdoor life had started yeah, I can totally relate to like being at the campsites and like circling the campgrounds like that's, that's <laughs> where I grew up, like camping too, just like at the campgrounds with my family is sitting around the fire, very mm -hmm. overcrowded campgrounds, but that's just like the good old memories that Oh, yeah, that I have and what it sounds like you have too. Oh, yeah. And that's like, where it starts. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's like totally a really accessible way to just get started camping. Cause it's not scary. The bathrooms are right there. There's like a water spigot over here. So you don't have to like worry about all those things. You just go and enjoy. And yeah, that's how you get started. It's fun. I know. That's what I always tell my friends who like are so anti-outdoors. I'm like, you can ease into it <laughs> with a shower and with a bathroom. Yeah. Or you can even like go to a, like a state park and rent like a cabin or a yurt. That's even like more comfy and cozy. Sometimes there's like a bed that you can sleep in. So exactly. Or you can just go camp in your backyard. Like you guys just posted on your blog. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. 100%. It's totally accessible. You can just go right outside. And the bonus really is you can go inside and make your coffee in the morning. Yeah. I love that. That was so cute. That blog was just so fun. It made, we still haven't like officially camped in our backyard during quarantine, but that inspired me to do so. We have the same tent <laughs> as you guys. <laughs> Oh, do oh, you really? Awesome. It's such yeah. a light, so easy to set easy up. One. Yeah. Yeah. Set up in like two seconds. It's amazing. <laughs> it really is. It, it's the greatest. Yeah. So you two met in college, like early on in college or? Um, so we're actually two, two years classes apart. apart. So he was a senior and I was a sophomore. Yeah. And we met through, uh, I mean, we both went to the same church and there was like a college ministry. Mm -hmm. And so we were both involved in that. And he was the uh, worship leader playing the guitar and I was just attending. So <laughs> <laughs> 
anyways our, our friend groups like collided yeah. and we had the most fun together and yeah and that was the time when i started getting into photography yeah. too so i would like yeah um ask emily to be like hey do you want to go on this hike at like 6 a.m and none of my friends would do it i live with i live with like nine other guys and they're all like no nah, man it's my saturday i want to sleep in it was kind of like an excuse to get closer to Emily and kind of <laughs> hang out more. Um, and Emily would always be down. So like, it's like, okay, sweet. So we were friends for like a year. No, yeah. Nine months, about nine, 10 months before we started dating. But yeah, that was really fun too. Well, and don't you just find that like when you're like going on these like hikes or whatever with someone like that's like the best time to connect with a person. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 100%. I definitely, even like birdie aside, I have had like the deepest conversations with people mm -hmm. closest to me when we're hiking on the trail. I feel like it's less intimidating that way. Cause you're like either side by side or front to back and you're not like staring at the person and seeing how they're like reacting to the information. I feel like that's way more mm -hmm. like accessible to do that. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So met in college and then it was kind of just onward from there. Yeah. Yeah. So I had two more years of school. So we dated and in between that, I mean, I was just going to school, but then Bertie was kind of getting his photography, uh, his business yeah I was, I was doing it part-time at the time because I I studied at UW to be a teacher <laughs> and I studied history and education I was teaching and then having my photography business on the side for about two years that's when I started taking Instagram pretty seriously too mm -hmm. and he would you know host insta meets and <laughs> hang out with all these other Instagrammers yeah. in Seattle and it looked really fun when I graduated we got married and then I started working a regular nine to five and he got his photography business off the mm -hmm. ground. And so he started doing that full time. And, uh, and you get jealous. Yeah, jealous. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard another podcast. You were working as a nanny. Is that right? I was. Yes. And actually that was the best situation. First of all, I love the family, but it was the perfect like timing for everything because that is when I kind of started to foster my blog and the girls were getting older and older. And so as they were starting to like kind of go move into middle school, they didn't really need me as much. And so we slowly just like weaned me off hours. So I just go to their house, you know, fewer and fewer times per week until, you know, they were just independent and then I could be a full-time blogger. So it was the best situation for everybody because I didn't have to like say goodbye to them when they weren't ready to not have a nanny and then I could still like sort of make money as I was trying to like make money on the blog so it was mm -hmm. the best easing into it that I could have imagined yeah totally so did you go to college for like journalism or anything Emily or how did like like I think I heard in a podcast as well like writing wasn't even something you liked no it was not I remember I did not like writing because it was such a like formula based thing. It's like in order to get an A, you had to like have this format and it had to look exactly like this. And then I, it was just so stale. It felt really lame and I just wrote to get the grade and then it was done. My mind's going to like MLA format and I always got knocked yes. out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's just like the most dry thing you could write. I guess, I mean, the information is all there, so it makes sense, but it wasn't creative and I didn't feel like alive when I wrote something like that. 
So when I started the blog, all of a sudden, like I had the freedom to decide what I wrote and what I didn't. And that was just such like a fun thing for me. Oh, and in college, I didn't go for journalism. I studied South Asian studies, which is like India, Pakistan. So clearly not using that right now, but someday we'll go there again together. Yeah. (laughs) South Asian studies. Like that was just like the specific degree. Yeah, it was. It was part of the international school, but it was like kind of a focus. And so you would took regular international classes, but then you had super focused classes on like different topics. Because they offer like specific scholarships and Emily's really good at languages. Yeah, I should explain that too. So um, I got a scholarship to study Hindi, which is the language they speak in India. And it was a fellowship. So if you wanted to study a language that like the government wanted people to know they would pay you and so I applied and so I got paid to go to college to study Hindi so in hopes that I would get a government job so they could use my skills but I didn't so thanks but you can speak it (laughs) fluently not any no not anymore I she mean, used to be able to it's like, one of those things where if you, you don't, don't use it you it, lose yeah. it so but she still understands like um some grammar and words and stuff and she she would recognize that and the structure i i think if i went to india i could survive but i would not thrive so <laughs> yeah after the first year you would thrive i mean yeah. <laughs> sure, i would pick it up again but yeah. i'm definitely not confident right now yeah <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's like when you're immersed in it, like you can pick up on it. It's just yeah, Mm -hmm. takes time. Yeah, and it's hard when it's like just not even in my daily life right now. Because I remember, like in in the university at UW, she would be speaking it, like she would write poems and you know, and like read it to her her (laughs) teachers and professors. And I mean, I attended. I mean, one it was of part of the class. I got great. I attended that. one of them, and like, I didn't speak any of this language, and I was just like, "Wow, that just sounded really good." <laughs> and there was like, you know, twenty people in the class that she was like reading her poems to oh. and stuff. So yeah, it, it, was, it was fun. It was impressive. I That's definitely it. continued because they paid me to go, like, <laughs> to get a scholarship. So that was really helpful, and I would do it all over again too, even though I'm not using it. Well, that looks good on a resume, no matter what, right? <laughs> Just like life, life goals, like learn other languages, expand yeah. yourself. Oh, yeah. I really do enjoy that part. So I'm glad I did it. Uh, and then, Bertie, do you speak Indonesian? I do, yes. I pra- I mean, I speak it with my aunt a lot. So that's why I well, you call your mom every day. It. And I call my mom every day now <laughs> since the quarantine because um, they're all in Indonesia. Um, I try to keep up with them. But yeah, and we try to go to Indonesia once a year and we've been back like five times together. Yeah. Yeah, we've gone back five times together to see my family. And senior year at University of Washington, Emily learned Indonesian. So she was able to speak with my mom and yeah. stuff and she picked it up like really fast. So she can speak Indonesian too. <laughs> <laughs> so you, ha- yeah, you've got some skills. Like it's not, not everyone can just pick up a language that quickly. I think it's one of those things where it it feels right to me. Like if I was going to take a biology class, oh my gosh, that would be, I would fail hands down. (laughs) So it's just one of those things where it's like, you're good at one thing, but you're not good at the other thing. So it balances out, I guess. (laughs) So cool. Um, Let's talk about your Indonesian wedding. Yeah. Yeah. That was super fun. So we got married in 2016 And because 
of the relationship from the U.S. and Indonesia, um, Brady's family couldn't easily come for the wedding. Um, they would have to apply for visas and it'd be a really long process. So we just decided to um, kind of have a second celebration in Jakarta. So, yeah, so like second reception. Yeah. yeah, so like a reception. So it wasn't like a full-blown wedding, but we did kind of the fun yeah. like, ceremony. Yeah, because a full-blown stuff. wedding would take like three days. And yeah. I was like, I don't want a three-day wedding. I just want the reception. Just the, just the party part. We uh, had my family come to Jakarta with us, which was really fun mm-hmm. because my mom had been international before, but a couple of my siblings had not. So it was fun to introduce them to a new culture, but also to like my new family, I guess. Yeah. But sometimes like it felt like too much of a culture shock to like um, a lot of our families too, just because... I mean, the culture is so different, right? Like It was a culture shock for your family, Birdie? For both, I would oh, say. Oh, for both of us. Because, like, like, yeah. They um, didn't know how to interact with my family. We 100%. Didn't know how to interact and with and my family is <laughs> always trying to, like, make sure they're happy, they're having fun. But, like, in the U.S., the culture is more, like, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, like, in Indonesia, like, if you're sad, that means it's bad. So, like, everyone, you have to be happy. So when they see Emily's family kind of, like, just looking overwhelmed, like too much information overload. My parents are like freaking out. They're like, what, what should we do? Like, how do we fix it? I was like, you don't have to fix anything. Just like take a, like, take a deep be. breath. Let them, let them hang out. Let them think. It's okay. Like <laughs> they feel like they have to fix something. It's like, oh, you know, like they have to be like dancey and like smiling. But I don't know. That was like, you have to navigate through that too. It was, it was really, it was really fun. fun nonetheless. Birdie has a very large family, so it was cool to see everybody there. I think in Indonesian celebrations too, you know what family you're in by the clothes that you wear. So mm-hmm. like a family will go to an event and they will all wear matching yeah. clothes. <laughs> we would- <laughs> so we got matching clothes for like my family that came and Bertie, and then all of his family had the same matching clothes. So it was really fun to like take a picture and it's like, look, everyone looks the same. (laughs) And then the neighbors and my dad's friends and my mom's friends, all of them came with like different clothes, obviously, but so they knew who we're associated with. Yeah, Yeah, it was really really fun. Okay, so all the guests get to wear like kind of whatever they choose. Yes, yeah. Okay. But if you're family, you have like a special pattern yeah. and a special color that you wear to be like, I'm part of the the circle yeah. that's celebrated right now. Yeah, and I'm not like super traditional too, but like I got pretty sick of my aunt keep asking me because my aunt kind of organized, you know, like, okay, what, what size are you? Like all these things. I'm like, I don't care. You know, just like, give me, give me a close or whatever. But it turned out to be like, oh man, I'm kind of glad that happened. Yeah, you appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, that is like a lot just to navigate. And like, it can be like overwhelming at first with all the new people coming in, but. 100%. Yeah. A lot of the people we didn't know, like I never met this, you know, this people, but it was more of like your parents showing off kind of like who your kids are and like showing off to the neighbors. Like we met most of the neighbors in like, that Jakarta area that I've like never met. They blocked out the whole road in front of our, uh, in front of the house. So they have, they put like, you know, tents and stuff. And so it was just like a big party. It was really fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love it. And I love that like your family got to go and just like share this all. So did you guys do any like big outdoor adventures when you were there for your wedding? Or have you done big outdoor adventures in Indonesia at all? 
So yes, we actually Mm -hmm. try and do like one cool adventure every time we go. I would say like half the time or even a little more than half is family time. And then the other part is like some cool thing. Yeah. So our first time we went with my family, we went to Bali and we just did the whole island of Bali, which was really fun. And we did that with some of my friends, some of our friends yeah, that came they, like, from Seattle. They, we did a whole week together. There was so like fun. eight of us. It was really fun. Um, another year we went to Mount Bromo, which is like that still active volcano up in like East, East Java. Java. Another year we went to a waterfall called Tumpat Sewu, which is... It's like a thousand waterfalls. It's called, it's, yeah, it's called a thousand waterfalls, but you could stand there and it's like a this is like wall of waterfalls. It's crazy. All around you. And then it's all coming out. And, and you you're just stand. like soaked underneath there, but it's so fun. <laughs> um, we did uh, Labuan Bajo, which is Flores, like Komodo National Park and all of that. And when you did these, were you camping usually? No, we didn't ever go camping. It was always like hostels Mm -hmm. or hotels or family um, houses. Yeah, Yeah. Indonesia is a little bit different. I, I don't know if I would camp. No, yeah, a lot of the campsites is more. It's like very remote. Yeah, it's it's like you are in the middle of the jungle. Yeah, it's like pretty thick jungle too. So like usually people that um, have like little hostels, they have it right in front of the entrance, you know, before you enter the jungle or something. So like a lot of the times we're like, oh yeah, we'll pay $2 to stay there for yeah, one night. Yeah, and it's like and someone's breakfast. home. So you it's know? not like a formal so, hostel. And that's also like a good way to meet all the locals too. Like we met a lot of people through that as well. And they give some really good tips too. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, this one you have to like, this waterfall you have to pay for. But if you go two blocks that way, there's a hidden one that nobody knows about. And so that's always fun to know. Yeah, that's the best, getting the tips from the locals who live there rather than getting in these tourist traps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that, like that camping can't really be a huge hobby that people do over there. No, No, it's just, I I feel like the combination of elements and climate just makes it way more uncomfortable than fun. Yeah. So it depends on where you go, of course, but I would say most of the time that's Mm -hmm. not really someone's choice hobby. Yeah, because a lot of the wild animals are more like snakes and scary other things. Yeah, so it's like sometimes if you don't know the area, it's kind of like almost dangerous to not you don't just want to set up your tent and sleep in the middle of the jungle you get some bugs waking up right next to you like a tiger just (laughs) just yeah yeah i mean that stuff's probably as common as like a bear here yeah yeah scary (laughs) or monkeys that's even scarier yeah monkeys yeah monkeys will just come and grab your stuff and run so they totally will we were in costa rica last may for my brother's wedding and they there was a monkey that walked into some like into someone's like room like hotel room they opened the door went into the room and took the banana and then like the person saw them eat it oh Oh my gosh and they like they don't care because like they're so used to the people that they'll just like roam around there and whatever oh my gosh that's wild yeah monkeys can get pretty brave and Yeah. Um, so is there like a favorite place you guys have traveled to in Indonesia? That's a hard one because I guess there's a lot of cool places in East Java and we can just travel from the comfort of our home. Like I grew up in East Java. So like we have a house there. 
Um, and a lot of the jungle there are pretty epic with like the waterfalls and the active volcanoes. Um, and we can always stay at home and then just drive three hours and then hike and then come back and then drive yeah. another three hours. With but, the, I would say waterfalls in East Java is probably my yeah. favorite because there's just so many. Yeah, that we just, we just did like, you know, a couple that we know in East Java, but there's like a, so, so, so many. There's so many. Yeah. Um, so many and like hidden ones too, which is crazy. Yeah, we still have like seen like there's no access to it. Like a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I can see it from my drone, but like there's no access to that. But it's like super epic. <laughs> wow, I love it. Hidden places. Mm-hmm. They're so fun. Yeah, this whole blog thing. So basically, Emily like slowly started easing off being a nanny, and mm-hmm. Birdie was in his photography business, and like. Did you guys kind of have that plan all along to like merge and then become this dynamic team? So I mean, sort of, I would say like- the- I mean, we didn't have a plan to make a blog when I started photography. Oh yeah, when Birdie started the blog. It was just like my happen. own thing. But yeah. um, I think what kind of sparked it was Birdie would, you know, go on some cool adventure to some like fire lookout in Washington. He would post one picture and then move on and then post another picture of another thing. And all the photos that he took were forgotten. You know, they were sitting on a hard drive somewhere and people would, you know, comment like, Oh, where is this? How long did the hike take? Um, how hard is the hike? How hard is yeah. it? You know, what do I have to bring? What lens did you use? All the questions. And so I thought like, why, you know, just, show one picture of the adventure when we could kind of write like a trip report about it in more detail and share more photos on a blog. And so that's kind of where I started to be like, well, Bertie, you could really like utilize this and share more information for Mm -hmm. people. So we started doing like hiking trails that we did and trip reports and stuff. And that was really fun. And that's where I found out that writing was actually fun for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just continued to do that and I really enjoyed it. And then I started to, that was when I was nannying as well. And so then I was like, maybe I should do this for my job. And so that's when mm-hmm. the whole gradual process of me becoming full-time with Birdie happened. So that's when the mandigues.com happened and got born. <laughs> yep, that's when it got born. We were trying to figure out what to name it. And we were like, well, I mean, we're, we will always have our name. So if, if it evolves into something else, at least yeah. we will stay consistent because we're the ones that have it. Mm-hmm. So I know it's not a very original name, but... It's well, it is name. very original <laughs> for like, that's, you know, that's, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I can't say I've ever heard it before I discovered you guys. So actually there is a very famous fashion designer. His name is Jovian Mandigi and he does the most gorgeous women's fashion I've ever seen. Yeah. And he's, and he's a he's famous like super Mandigi. famous in Indonesia, but we're not related. <laughs> no. Probably, maybe, I don't know, but. I wish. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, yeah, like really distant relatives. Oh, yeah. fingers <laughs> crossed. That would be cool. So that's how the blog was born. <laughs> okay. And I mean, at that point when you started it, obviously you weren't making much money off it, right? No. Mm-mm. We made nothing the first yeah. year and a half or so. Yeah, I would say we started, we started in 2016 and we probably didn't make money until like late 2017. Yeah, kind of like towards the end of the summer, like August 
Yeah, maybe like yeah. late July, August. Because it it was and probably still is just trips that we like to do ourselves that we share. But 2017 was when it got kind of enough traffic to like g- gain some attention. And then that's when we started getting invitations from tourism boards to come out and mm-hmm. be like, oh, we saw that you read about the Pacific Northwest. We're in the Pacific Northwest. Do you want to come out and like mm-hmm. write about our place? And so that's when we're like, well, we can we can charge for this. We can yeah. like make a business and share about different destinations. And and I remember specifically after that trip, too, because that was with uh, Idaho. And then um, they after we left, they wrote a whole piece on their like Idaho Statesman, like their local newspaper about like the Seattle travel bloggers who visited Boise, Idaho. And here are their like, I don't know, like 30 favorite places or something like that. And then um, from then we got so many comments on that blog post yeah, and that was, so many Ida- like Boise people and just like commenting on it like, and oh following gosh, us. Boise is yeah, they're like so news. proud that we were featuring Boise, Idaho. And then it just blew up from there. Like our traffic literally went Yeah, went I mean, up. you can that see it in our Google point, Analytics. Like, it was like being boom. Yeah. But that was just like a viral post. So it we yeah. got a lot of attention for a couple weeks. And then, but then we get the the momentum kind of like like oh maybe we can do this we can yeah that definitely was something. like really exciting so, so we're like let's keep going this is so much fun yeah that was like your first time that like people were like come out here we'll hire you basically yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that was 100%. our kind of like big trip that we didn't mm-hmm. plan ourselves and we're like ooh this is fun we yeah. were like writing about a place and yeah. being real travel writers so and then from there it just kind of picked up and. And then you kind of start seeing like different opportunities, you know, it's like, oh, maybe we could pitch it to this company or like this destination. So, and then you start being inspired by all of those and things just start to happen after that. So that's what you started doing, pitching yourselves to other companies after that? Yeah, yeah. We would would look at destinations that we'd like to go and then find the contact and kind of say, hey, Mm -hmm. this is our blog. This is what we write about. We'd love to cover your destination this is what we can do X, Y, Z. This is what we can write about. This is what we can deliver you. Let's talk. Then people say yes, people say no. And yeah. then we just do Yeah, it. a lot of no's, but Lots of no's. the yes is the most important one. So that's fine. And do you find that a lot of people come reaching out to you guys or do you have to do the outreach more so? I would say it is a really good middle. Yeah, um, right. We definitely continue to reach out to people and destinations that we personally would like to visit. And we think we would mesh really well with us and then we kind of filter the offers that come in to us and see if it is a good fit or if this product is a good fit for our brand or if this destination makes sense for our audience so definitely a good mix of both yeah and a lot of the tourism uh boards that we work with too they have the same agency so like if we work let's say um we actually work a trip with a destination cleveland we went to cleveland ohio we did a really good job with them and uh, South Dakota had the same agency and they're like, do you guys want to go to South Dakota now and stuff like that. And then it just started to happen like that as well. Cause they have the same agency, the same inside people. Yeah. It's really fun to slowly um, build your network of people like in different parts of the tourism industry yeah. to, I don't know, make friends and network and just yeah. have a relationship with. It's really fun. Well, yeah. And just like in any business, it's about who, you know, and knowing people and making those connections. Mm -hmm. This is so cool to hear. Like, I just have never really like talked this in depth with people who do this (laughs) for a living. Oh yeah. (laughs) So 
when you do these trips, are they like totally paid for like your hotels, your flight, like your food, everything just totally paid for? Yes. Um, that's, it's just part of the package. I mean, every client is different, but what it is, you know, they want us to come out and cover their destination on, on our blog. And so we decide what kind of deliverables that we give Mm -hmm. them. And in return, they host us, you know, they fly us out there. They give us the rental car. They set up the, um, like adventures. Sometimes you have to like book tours and stuff. So they do all the handling there and then we just get to go experience and document the whole adventure for our readers and then once we delivered all of the the promise that we said we would deliver then they would pay us our fee that's so cool and do you ever like just travel for fun yes all all the the time time. and that's how we started too like we we didn't get the boise job by not working they didn't just suddenly reach out to us like that was because we we went to idaho we went to idaho and they saw our other idaho content So yeah, I would say more than not, most of our blog posts are about, you know, trips that we like to take ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. So that's something we didn't want to lose, you know, like I just because we are getting paid to do certain things, like we still love traveling, like we love car camping, like we like to just drive from Seattle to Utah and spend (laughs) three weeks in the car and uh, doing every sunrise, every sunset, um, eat really cheap <laughs> gas station coffee everything like yeah. we love that stuff so yeah is there any trips you've done like have you ever been paid to go camping and write blogs on that we haven't most of the stuff they just have a I would say I would stay. say that uh the only times that we would get paid to go camping is if like a product mm. were to come our way and say yeah. hey we want you know you to feature this camping tool or this backpack or yeah. something and then we would say okay let's think of like an adventure that we could do that makes sense with that product and then that would be kind of like the package on delivering mm-hmm. those things but we would go camping with it if that makes sense yeah yeah like use our product and write us a review type mm-hmm. thing yeah yeah let's talk about like working t- together are there any challenges of working together as a husband and wife or has it been pretty smooth i think For us, it has been a smooth process, but I feel like we're unique in that because we had our very predefined duties from the beginning. Bertie has always been the photo editor and he always will be, and I will always be the writer. And so we kind of have our own tasks and we don't like infiltrate the other Mm -hmm. person's business while they're working on it. So that has been really good for us to connect that way and work together well yeah I think we're pretty self-aware of like our strengths and weaknesses um just like you know I know that I'm strong in like editing my photos taking the photographs but I'm very weak in like writing so I will never write a blog post I mean I'll tell Emily like oh I think it should be fun to write these ideas and then she could turn it down or like actually write it but Emily is really good at you know writing and coming up with new ideas and just she's really good at the behind the scenes of the blog too, like the SEO and the coding and of the website and everything. So yeah. and that's not to say though, that we don't have our fights because oh, we definitely when have we our fight, fights, it's yeah. very passionate and mm-hmm. we stick to our sides and we're really stubborn. But the good thing about, I mean, us and our relationship is if something is the matter, 
it is never stuffed away. It is always like mm -hmm. yelling into the front of the conversation. So while I think our arguments are like way more passionate and angry than other mm -hmm. people's, they're like solved quicker for us. Yeah. And we, we learned to do that better throughout the years yeah, as well. So yeah. the first time we, you know, we worked together, we obviously had so many conflicts so many and <laughs> not knowing how to work together. But the more we do it together, the more. Yeah, like, the more that we understand, like how yeah. we work and our boundaries and what's okay and yeah. what's not. I feel like we fight less now, but. Being business partners, also being married is like, it's hard yeah, to kind of true. find that line of yeah. when are we business partners and when are we husband and wife? Well, sure. Yeah. Like finding that balance. Cause I know that's something like even my husband and I like have been slowly trying to navigate and figure out like, because like we love doing this podcast and like talking about it, but like sometimes we're just like, whoa, let's talk about something else. Yeah, 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 it is hard to like not talk about work when we're together, but yeah, it has helped that like we're in quarantine right now. We're mm -hmm. talking about our yard all the time and <laughs> cooking meals together. So, I mean, yeah, it's kind just, of been good for yeah. our marriage, I guess. <laughs> well, right. And working together, like you learn each other's, like you have to work with each other's strengths and weaknesses so much. And That's that true. carries over mm -hmm. so much in a relationship as well. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'm thankful for Birdie. I mean, I don't think I would work well with anyone as well as I do Birdie. So I'm really thankful we're business partners too. <laughs> Likewise. So starting the whole business, like how, after how long do you think you were able to sustainably live off of this blogging life? I officially left my job as a nanny in January, 2018. And so that's when both of us started. This was like our only income. And I would say that is when we could make money. Yeah. And at the time, my photography business was pretty sustainable. Like it wasn't like, yeah. um, so we were able to take a chance on, you know, Emily, like, why not do it full time? That's true. Um, we're also pretty good savers too. Yeah, so I don't save a lot of our money. We rarely spend it unless we really, really want to go somewhere that we've never yeah, been. Yeah, I'm a big like self-preservation person. So I always have kind of like a rainy day stash and make sure we have enough savings just in case like something happens. So we've always been good at saving our money and being smart with our purchases. Yeah. Actually, so correction, you've always been good at <laughs> saving. <laughs> Not me. I was, I was the opposite before I met Emily. So. <laughs> at least one of you is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all that matters. Someone to learn from, yeah. He spends yeah. it well, I save it well. Yeah, I can spend it really well. So. <laughs> yeah, I would say January 2018 is when we um, could make it work because he was shooting weddings at the time. And so that was sustainable enough while we could start to set up a little bit more of a foundation for the blog as well. So that's when you quit the nanny job and mm -hmm. gave it your all. Yeah. And were you guys nervous about that? Because your income must be different every month. Yes, it is. Um, but I think we made a really smart decision from the start to have a lot of different channels of income so that if something failed it wouldn't be the end of the world. Mm -hmm. So um, Bertie had his wedding clients, which was like really consistent in the summertime. 
Um, we have affiliate income. We have ad income, ad revenue on our blog. We have a lot of different ways of making money. So, um, you know, if there's a down season in something, there's an up season in something else. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and with this season, with the whole COVID thing, I can only imagine that the blogging world, like a lot of bloggers are doing fantastic right now. So yes and no, actually. Um, food bloggers are doing the best they've ever done because everybody is at home baking, making bread, like cooking meals at home. So they're like on cloud nine making all the money. Travel bloggers have suffered a lot, especially international travel bloggers because nobody's flying, nobody's driving. So it is a little bit of, I mean, we definitely felt a hit in our traffic when it came to COVID-19. Yeah, it literally, the second it happened, the first week was like, you just went Oh yeah, slowly. you can see on Google Analytics, <laughs> just the downward yeah. turn, like the nosedive yeah. of the traffic. Like, oh no, <laughs> but but uh yeah that's that's where the um like uh different avenues of income or diversifying our income Mm -hmm. has come in handy also the saving has come in handy yeah i would have thought that like with covid people have so much time on their hands that they're like i'm gonna plan my next trip for when i can go out into the world yeah i think the attitude kind of has changed Come late April, May, people are starting to get a little more antsy and restless in their house. So we have seen an upturn in traffic. Yeah, the past two weeks. It hasn't recovered, you know, in its since its pre-COVID numbers, but people are still trying to get outside. And I think the more popular topics now are local travel which is really um, a blessing for us because we don't do a lot of international trips. We do a lot of road trips around the Pacific Northwest, things to see in Washington, you know, things to see in Oregon. So Canada is international. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the no, border's okay, closed now. Yeah, so. that's true. But I but think we have a Canadian we're, readers. <laughs> we're really thankful that we have kind of a pocket of the world to talk to rather than trying to talk to the whole world. So yeah. that has been helpful in... Mm-hmm. Um, kind of still keeping people engaged in trip planning during this time. So would you say that having that niche has helped you even long before COVID as well? Yeah, it really has. I think we've definitely established like a a, a voice here and with so many like topics and blog posts and hikes and trip reports in the Pacific Northwest, I feel like people who are searching for this content can kind of find everything that they need on our blog, which I think is really helpful for readers. Yeah. Do you find that there's a lot of other bloggers in that Pacific Northwest area or is it a pretty small percentage? I would say in the giant blogging world, we're a very small percentage. I have a Pacific Northwest like Seattle bloggers group that I'm a part of on Facebook. And so there's a lot of really amazing people and really great writers Mm -hmm. here. So it has been fun to like have that community with them. There's not a ton of us, but the people that are here are like quality, awesome writers. So I'm privileged to be among them too. Yeah. And that's pretty cool that it's like a small amount because that like only helps you guys with like the traffic and the people that are going to want your information that you're sharing with everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. We're really thankful for that small niche that we have. It's, Mm -hmm. we don't cover everything, but what we do cover, we cover deeply and well. So I'm proud about that. 
Yeah. I mean, from what I've like seen and read, I mean, it looks like I could go on there and easily have my trip planned the second I get out there. (laughs) That's the goal. Yeah. 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 When I get out there one day. Oh yeah. I was out in Oregon like two years ago. What part of Oregon? Portland. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Mainly just that area. We did one hike, but it was mainly just the city. Yeah. The city was so fun in itself. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I love the city. There's so many cool restaurants and like mm-hmm. coffee shops. The food scene there. Oh, oh it's yeah. so good. Oh my gosh. The food trucks. Yeah. We had the best noodles. This woman was like twirling these noodles it was called stretch the noodle so she would make the noodle in front of you and just like twirl them and stretch them and Ooh. that's awesome oh I'm hungry now I know. <laughs> yeah my stomach's growling <laughs> so Bertie, what do you love about photography and is there anything that you don't love about photography yeah uh Simply put, like the things that I love most about photography is uh, the capturing of moments, Um, the capturing of like moments that in my head, I was like, man, this is going to be like hard to replicate the feelings again. That's why I want to capture it to be able to look back to it and reminds me of that feeling. So that's like in its simplicity form, what it means to me. Um, The things I don't like about photography is this happens to me all the time, too. Like it's supposed to be simple. But with all these like new gears keep coming out, you kind of like, I don't know, get caught up in the, oh, I don't have a good camera. I need a better camera. But then I have to keep reminding myself, like when I first started photography, I started with my iPhone and um, the gear that I have is like what I need to capture whatever moments I'm trying to capture. So that's the only thing I don't like about photography is um, the technology aspect of it, I guess. I don't know. But uh, just it just messes with you mentally. That the fact that you need a newest gear, you need a better one. Yeah. Well, and gosh, isn't that true of like even camping gear? Like the second you get like this great high tech, like solar charger, they come out with a new one. (laughs) Yeah. So true. So do you have like a backpack that you bring your all of your camera gear in when you go on these trips? Yeah, I typically I like to bring the most minimal setup as possible, maybe like two lens tops and just one body, um, unless I'm doing like a commercial project or a wedding, like I'm, I'll bring my backup camera bodies. But typically on like our trips and stuff, Emily would have a camera. I'd have a camera. We'd each have like a, a another lens. Yeah. And with like the big lens that we have for it, you know, if we have encounter with like a bear or something or like an eagle, we just have it in the car sometimes or in our Airbnb if we stay in Airbnb. So we never carry that with us. But yeah, like very minimal setup and just focusing on um, the things that we're trying to capture. So that takes so much patience. We, my husband and I bought this like attachment for our Android phone once thinking like, Oh, we'll get better pictures. And even that, like, we didn't really have patience to like attach it when there was like this cool animal we saw. We're like, I don't want to take the time to sit here and attach it. So I have so much respect for photographers to just sit there and like, put it all together. (laughs) Yeah. Or sometimes it's like below freezing temperature and you're like, I don't want to change the lens right now. You know, (laughs) like I just want to make sure I have the exact lens that I need before I snap the photograph. Yeah. And what about you, Emily, in writing? What do you love about it? And what do you not so much love about it? I really like the fact that I get to like bring our personality into our blog and also give people really good information at the same time. 
that's really fun for me because I don't want it to be like a diary, but I don't want it to be like Lonely Planet facts, you know, just straight, here's the stuff. So I really like, you know, bringing our like essence and adventure to writing. Mm -hmm. My least favorite part. You have so many ideas. (laughs) I mean, yeah, (laughs) I have so much in my brain that I want to write about and there's only so much time in the day. So (laughs) that is Uh, definitely the worst part because I just am so upset that I can't get to everything. Prioritizing sometimes is very difficult for me. I want to do it all. Yeah. But that's what creative minds are for, right? Just always, always going, always going. Oh yeah. There's so many notes on my phone. Like when we're walking and I'm like, oh, that's a great blog post idea. And I'll write it down or something. (laughs) (laughs) That is such a, like, that's a talent to have though, because like we have like a very small blog. We only post things like once a month and we try to make them factual, but like I do a lot of the writing and like, I just like writing like my feelings out and things. And like sometimes like, yeah, finding a balance between like the factual and like bringing your own personal, um, like identity into it. I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But clearly you found an amazing balance because you guys are living this life. (laughs) Yeah. It's really fun. I I wouldn't want to do anything else. (laughs) And like, so you guys kind of plan to do this for the foreseen future, at least. Yeah. I would say that, I mean, it's going to evolve as our family evolves. Like, you know, we'll probably talk more about traveling with a kid, you know, when we start to have our own family, um, that's the beauty of having it called the Mandigies. It's like, if we want to pursue another thing, like we can just keep on evolving with that you know, on our blog. So yeah, it's a very sustainable name. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the yeah. word I was looking for earlier. Sustainable. Yeah. But yeah, it'll evolve. But I think we just both find joy in different ways on just sharing our experience online. So in one way or another, I think we're always going to do something like this. Mm-hmm. You never see yourselves kind of going back to like a nine to five. I don't think we'll work for anybody no. else again, at least right now. Like it's just so freeing to work for ourselves. So it's really yeah, you hard get to set your own schedule and yeah. you get to plan your trips and yeah, it would be hard to work for somebody else. I mean, it depends on the company, I guess, but it's fun working for yourself. Yeah. I can't say we do it. I mean, we only do very minimal. So I just, I love hearing how people operate it. Yeah, Yeah. totally. (laughs) How about like this lifestyle and changing your outlook on life overall? I mean, we kind of just covered that, but is there anything else that how this has changed your outlook on life and perspective? Yeah. I mean, I'll go, uh, like when I first started photography too, I always, when I got into it, I was so fascinated by it. So I always tell myself like, what, this is something like that makes me truly, truly happy and brings me joy every day. And I would be like probably taking photos every day. And I think the way I look at life, obviously everyone has different talents and has different things that they like that brings them joy. And I talk to my friends about this all the time and not that I'm trying to get them out of their nine to five, but like if they truly love to do what their nine to five, like you should do it fully. But if you are like dreading your nine to five, you should rethink about that. You should think about stuff that makes you truly happy and brings you joy, um, whether that helps people or, you know, um, traveling or writing books or writing songs or whatever, and just go 100% of that. And I, I hope that's like something that I, 
instill in my when we have our kids and stuff like the fact that they are they should be able to do what they want for a living um, obviously that's a privilege too not everyone can say like you know like oh I'm gonna do everything that I want for a living obviously they're like steps that you gotta do, but but yeah I mean I think that's a really powerful message you know like people people do have the power to make choices and do what they want and you guys are taking advantage of that because we do live in the USA where we luckily have the privilege to do 100%. that. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have friends in Indonesia that I can't say that to them because they literally, they were, you know, born into poverty and all these things. Like it's not as easy as just like quit everything you do and follow your dreams or whatever. It's much <laughs> more complicated steps than that, but I still think it's possible but it definitely takes more effort. Yeah. Speaking of that, like what does your Indonesian family think of this lifestyle and the blogging lifestyle? Because I mean, the blogging lifestyle isn't really a thing in Indonesia, correct? Not at all. No. I mean, anything outside of like, if you don't go to university, get your degree and not use your degree, that's almost like a failure. Um, It's so rare for someone to like start their business and then work for their business. But yeah, I had to do a lot of convincing. My mom was very supportive in the beginning, um, but my dad was the opposite. He was like, how are you going to get a real job? Like, you don't even have a certificate to like prove that you're a real photographer. I'm like, I don't need a certificate. <laughs> like my photo is kind of like my certificate in a sense. But my dad's like, no, you need like a, someone from a school to sign that you're a photographer. Like he was very like old school in his like thinking. So I'm like, dad, no, it it's like, it's 20, at the time it was like 2016. It's 2016. It's like so different. But that went on for like two years or something until like, I was able to, I don't know, it's kind of like a, I don't know, like a flex, I guess, but I showed him kind of like my, my bank statements, like, look, this is how I made this month and next month is going to be this. And my dad's like, oh, it's a real job. It <laughs> is a real job. I've been telling you for the past two years. So anyway, so took a lot of convincing on my Indonesian family side, but they, they're full support now. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, if you don't grow up with that perspective and have people around you doing that. It totally makes sense that he had some skepticism about it. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. Does your family support all this too, Emily? Uh, yeah, they do. I, I think they were early on the supportive train. However, I think parents just have questions in general. Like, are you really going to do this forever? Is this just a hobby? Like, how no. are you making money? So yeah. I've been um, slowly... Uh, I guess not educating them. They're not like uneducated, but just telling yeah. them like educating them about our job. Yeah, yeah here's what we do. Yeah. Here are the ways that I make money. Here are the different types of things that I'm doing. So they're a lot more supportive and they understand it, which is kind of fun because they're very both not very social media savvy, but they have social media just so they can like look at my stuff and support my stuff. <laughs> so when I share something, they'll text me. Oh, I really like your new blog post. And yeah. they're, they're the cutest. I and, love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah. It's so funny. Just like the different generations and how they see things. And yeah. Yeah. I guess they yeah. didn't grow up with the internet. So like the internet is That's like fairly true. a new thing. The internet changed um, a lot. Yeah, I know. And especially like with COVID again, like, so I'm a teacher, so I've been like online and not to mention it's preschool. So like online teaching preschool has just been, Oh man, I hate it. 
(laughs) (laughs) What do you do? Like how? Well, we don't do a lot of live things. I only do one live thing a week with them. Okay. Other than that, I just record myself and send um, myself reading a book or singing a song or teaching a social emotional lesson. Okay. Yeah. When Birdie was talking about like lifestyle and how it's like shaped your outlook, like, and you were saying like, you should be doing things that you love. Like teaching kids is like what I genuinely love. And when I started working from home, teaching from home, I was like, I hate this. Oh, <laughs> like, that's interesting. Like sitting on a computer and like staring like it's at it's not a what screen. you signed up for. Exactly. <laughs> like I was like getting headaches the first few days. I was like, I can't stand staring at a screen. How do people do this? <laughs> Yeah, that's so wild. I hope you get to go back to school soon. <laughs> well, it's not happening this year. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, but maybe Hopefully next year. Yeah, <laughs> but it is so true. Like when you're doing something that you love, it really does make mm-hmm. make a huge difference. I agree. Is there any big way that this has shaped your life, Emily, and just outlook? I I found it actually. This is kind of a weird answer to your question, but I found that I've made so many genuine friendships online Mm. and I've met so many people in my like range of connection has expanded a lot, which has been so fulfilling for me. I am a big time extrovert. So I love like meeting other bloggers in person and getting coffee with them or like meeting readers if they ever are passing through Spokane we go get coffee with them or just like making online friends that's just like made my life so much more fulfilled that I enjoy that aspect of it and so I find that the internet has definitely shaped my life for the better (laughs) (laughs) I love that like grabbing coffee with readers oh it's the funnest it is so fun People will DM us on Instagram. I'm coming through Spokane. We're like, let's get coffee. Mm-hmm. I love those times. It's so fun to hear people's like stories and where they're going. And oh, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, it really is like when people like genuinely like want to connect with someone that they just see online and just like have been following for so long. And- oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I commend them too. It takes a lot of like courage to DM somebody because if I was passing through like a city of like somebody that I really admired online, I think I don't, I don't think I would do it. That would scare me. I would be like, what if they don't like me? What if they say no? But that is so true. When we started this podcast um, last summer, we started it when we were like on our road trip and there was like this Instagram account that I loved and followed. They were from um, Ohio. And I was like, I want to message them. I really want them on our podcast. But I was so nervous. (laughs) So, so nervous. But yeah, they wrote back. We met up and it was so awesome. Oh, I love that. I love it when things like that happen. And I think more often than not, like people will say yes because we're just humans that like to connect with other humans. So. That's so true. And that's like huge thing. We're just humans. Like everybody in social media is a human. They have a life. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And they share what they want and they don't share what they want. So like, it was cool when I started seeing your guys' stories of like gardening and like yard work. I was like, oh, they do stuff besides just travel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was a way that we're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to like continue to work? We're capable at digging the ground ourselves. We can work on the the yard. 
Yeah, that was like a total shift for like what you were portraying yourselves. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's That's fun. Awesome. So how about Pacific Northwest travel? What are some like top places you would tell people to go if they've never been there? So I think it depends on the region, but I'm just going to go with if you're going to Seattle, uh, I would definitely check out the Olympic National Park because there's just so, there's so many. many opportunities to do so many iconic P&W things. It's like very diverse. Like you yeah. find a, a classic Pacific Northwest beaches. Yeah. You find like rainforest. You'll find mountains, mountains. Um, lakes, like still lakes, reflection lakes. Like Yeah, there's a backpacking trail where you can go to like this boarded up cool ranger station in the middle of the forest. Like you can seek out the even like, you know, step out of your car adventures or mm-hmm. hike two days adventures. And yeah. then kind of even backpack along the coast, like along the beach and stuff. Yeah. And even closer to Seattle is Mount Rainier National Park, just south of us. I mean, us, south of Seattle <laughs> and North Cascades, North Cascades National just Park north too. of us. Oh. I mean, Seattle. <laughs> So that, I mean, there's just so many opportunities to do so many cool things just from Seattle. So if someone was trying to go to the Pacific Northwest and just get their feet wet, I'd go to Seattle. And is it true that it's like, just be prepared for rain? Yes. Yeah, but the rain, it's not like a downpour. It's just constantly rain. It's just gray skies. Gray skies and kind of like, it just hits you, you know, just like. It just gets annoying over time, but it's not like like I super say, hard downpour. Yeah, June, July, August, you probably get the best weather, but anytime after that, for sure, you should be packing your rain jacket. But here's the thing: like sometimes hiking in the rain is one of the best hikes because no one is out usually, so you'll have most of the place to yourself. And I like doing it in the rain. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I like the fun. gloominess, mm-hmm. and it just brings it's like that the like true mood. Pacific Northwest weather, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with the fog rolling through. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's beautiful. Yeah, that's so true. Some of my like fondest memories are just like hiking through fog and rain. And then like at the very end of your hike, there's like a beautiful sunshine. Yeah. yeah. That happens all the time. Because the weather changes constantly here. Do you guys have a place that you like, it's like your go-to hike whenever you're like, let's go take a hike. Do you have a go-to? We're kind of navigating that territory now as in Spokane, in Spokane, because yeah. we kind of had those go-to hikes in Seattle, but now being in, in Seattle, our go-to would be like Olympic National Park. If someone were to visit us, like, hey, we want like a whole day adventure. We're like, let's go to Olympic National Park. We'll take the ferry That's across, true. and then we'll do the whole hike, yeah, the whole day. And then we come back at like midnight (laughs) another good thing is uh in from seattle you can go just directly east to the cascades and in like an hour's drive you could probably hit so many trailheads i can't even count how many snow call me pass area and stuff yeah the north bend and lots of cool like hidden lakes and fire lookouts and trails and Mm -hmm. overlooks and stuff so seattleites are spoiled yeah yeah i know you guys got it all so I mean, besides like maybe a rain jacket, is there anything people traveling there should bring if they're specifically planning outdoor adventure? Headlamps. Headlamps, Mm. for sure. That way you can go wake up early and like catch a sunrise at a cool spot. Or like sunset, you're hiking to the top and then you have to hike back down. Yeah. 
um, because the sunsets are beautiful. Also more practical, I would definitely pack waterproof rain boots, Mm. not rain boots, but like hiking boots because nothing is worse than wet socks. So and multiple socks, just in case you get wet socks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess those would be my thing. Yeah, the essentials. We always like to bring like a thermos of coffee to drink at the top, so yeah. that's fun too. And a camera. And a camera. <laughs> Not with like a million lenses, maybe just my <laughs> Android. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, even just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the wet socks, wet boots. I mean, I think that. gosh that goes for like definitely hiking here in minnesota too Mm. oh yeah i think no matter where you go (laughs) does it rain pretty hard there it can yeah it there's definitely days where it'll pour rain especially like spring and fall can get really gloomy and wet yeah I, i feel like seattle rain is just or even pacific northwest in general is low key rain but it's prolonged over like a much longer period of time yeah it's like for a week straight it's just like mist (laughs) (laughs) yeah and gloomy yeah Yeah, the mist like yeah when ours comes it's not I mean it can be misty but like we get some pretty hard rain around Mm. these seasons oh gotcha yeah or sometimes snow (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah I'm sure Uh, I'm sure (laughs) that's awesome what tips do you have for someone who would want to start a blog Like someone who's like, should I quit my job and make this? I shared this somewhere else, but okay. If you are somebody who is wanting to start a blog, you have to love what you write about. Because if you're just writing for money, it is going to get old so quickly and you're going to hate it. And it's going to feel like a nine to five that you're stuck in because (laughs) you just have to do it. So if you can find joy in something and something you're super passionate about. It can be literally any topic, but if you love what you write about, you won't ever work a day in your life again. It's really fun. So I would say definitely start one, but really love what you write. So like after you guys like are on one of your trips, you come home, you have to work and write your blog. Do you ever suffer from like writer's block or are you just like so motivated? Uh, I would say definitely fresh after a trip. I'm like way yeah. too excited to like do anything else but write. But after a while, like I think we've had a couple of days here during quarantine where I just, it's not writer's block, but it's just a lack of motivation. And so I have to give myself like permission to just step away for the day and do something else. And then once, you know, I have that like feeling to write again, then I'll get back on the computer. But I never try and make it feel forced. It's yeah. like, I'll just and, write when I And throughout want. the trip too, like I would be driving and Emily would be writing on her That's computer. True, so like she would have like this fresh ideas off of like the hike that we just did or something. And yeah. she would just like be stoked to come home to like write again, which is crazy. Like sometimes I'm like, man, I would not be that stoked to write about stuff. Like well, that. you do the same thing. I know, we're driving photography, in the car. I like editing. I He's guess. like editing photos in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I guess that's true. To each his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each one of you brings your strength to the team. Yeah, I'm thankful mm-hmm. for that, for sure. Yeah. I know you said you stand out from like, because you're in the Pacific Northwest. Is there any other ways that you feel your blog stands out? Um, I know that when we first started it, the two more more important things that we were like, we have to have, you know, like 
we can't like lie about this. So, like just hundred percent honesty is like one, I really want to keep producing like quality photographs. And I believe like with Emily's writing and with uh, the quality photographs that I'm trying to produce, like we can stand out in that sense. We just don't like, we don't like to cut corners of like, Oh yeah, whatever. We'll use this photo. But um, we make sure like everything that we put out is quality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would, just piggyback on that. I I do agree. I feel like I am very thankful that we have two people doing the job of kind of one business because a lot of bloggers are like a one woman, one man show. And so they are the photographer, the writer, the marketer, the everything person. And so being able to do two of the jobs separately fully has really helped us like kind of bring a quality that we are proud to show to the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's huge. Especially like just like the quality of it because that's so true when I think about other bloggers. I mean, they post like great, great content, but it might not be a high quality photo. It's just like whatever they snapped quick on their iPhone. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great people out there and I totally commend people for doing all the jobs. <laughs> yeah. But it is nice to not have to worry about one piece of the puzzle when, you know, someone does it way better. Yeah. So. I mean, I couldn't imagine just doing it on my own like I mean, writing in general, but Oh, um, yeah, I couldn't but, I couldn't write the blog without Bertie's photos cuz I I would just wouldn't edit the photos. I wouldn't take them. It's just <laughs> so much work. Yeah, that's so cool how well, you guys do it together and successfully. Yeah, thank you. Um, any final tidbits of inspiration or wisdom? Anything we didn't touch on? Wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. Hmm. Well, I know a lot of people talk about like the blocking world being a saturated place. And while it is, I still don't agree with the fact that people shouldn't be bloggers just because it's saturated. I feel like everyone can bring their own unique take on something or their own unique voice or Mm -hmm. their perspective on literally whatever topic it is. So if you are interested in starting a blog, don't let the saturation deter you from putting your passion online because somebody will connect with you and somebody will understand your perspective Mm -hmm. and that's totally worth it. So that's what I have to say. That's awesome. And do you think that when people do start that, I mean, for you, were, was it frustrating at first to kind of gain, gain your followers at first? Because any blogger starting out is going to go through start getting their audience. Totally. It takes a lot of risk and a lot of humility. I mean, you know, when you first start something, a lot of people are like, oh, that's you know not going to get off the ground. Or you have to start with your family and friends and the people on Facebook mm-hmm. that will see your posts. So it is a little scary to like kind of risk that and put yourself in that vulnerable position of like, please share my stuff. But, mm-hmm. you know, the people who love you will support you. So I, yeah. I would say that it is scary, but it's worth the risk to just like start because, you know, people don't wake up one day and then have a hundred million followers on Instagram. It's like, you just got to show up every day Mm -hmm. for 10 minutes and continue to just keep sharing stuff that you enjoy because someone will continue to see it every day. And yeah. Yeah. And that's another thing too, like consistency, like whatever you start with, like the more consistent you are, the better you will be. Um, 
Because I think people will expect things from you and they'll know that you are going to provide them content day after day. Yeah, because if you're doing it for like a week straight, you know, you're like blog high, you know, you want to start a travel blog for the week, I'm going to do it. And then the next week, you're like, oh man, that was like, I didn't get any traction from it. But that's why the message of Emily saying like, it has to be something you love instead of like something that you're trying to get traffic from. It's like a completely different perspective in that. Gosh, you guys are inspiring me. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Such good stuff. Start with what you love and keep going at it. Yeah. And, And sometimes it's like really hard. Like that's why not a lot of people do it. You know, sometimes you're like, Oh, anyone can do it. Like, sure. If anyone like are willing to put in the work, like that's the thing. That's the only difference is like, are you willing to put in the work and the other person is not. So sometimes the difference is just that, just like being able to show up and do the work. Yeah. Cause I I don't remember what the percentage is, but like, there's like a percentage of people that'll like start blogs or podcasts and like they give up so quickly because they haven't gained those followers or those listeners. And like you said, it's just sticking to it and showing up every day. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's hard. Like, it's really hard. Like, I bet with like, you know, if we were to start a podcast, like. That'd be really hard. It'd be really hard to to just like, yeah, to just like consistently, you know, reach out to people and getting all these interviews and doing the interviews, editing them. Like, that's hard stuff. So like, but you're like, if you're consistent with that, I feel like. That's what separates you from the people who are not consistent. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And like you said, like it helps to have two of us doing what we're doing yes. too. Oh my gosh, yeah, I bet. 100%. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, I could never do what my husband does, the editing part. That would <laughs> give me a headache. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, you get to chat with people in the Zoom calls. That's and the fun And then you're part. like, oh, suddenly exactly. it's done. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The talking to people and just learning about people is my passion. I love it. (laughs) I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. We've talked on a lot. I mean, I think we've touched on so much. Like, I don't think I've ever talked about my Indonesia family as much as she has. I just think that's so um, like unique too. And I was like, I just think diversity on the trail is sometimes really hard to come across. Like I don't see a lot of diversity on the trail. So like as a diverse couple, like how do people see you on the trail or how do you think people are seeing you on the trail? I've never really thought about that before. Yeah. Yeah. I've never personally encountered that specifically. But I have noticed that like, I don't see a lot of, you know, diverse couple or like, even if like, you're not as diverse, but if people you are not aware of like the outdoor, the beauty of the outdoor, it's sometimes it's like pretty scary to get started on the outdoor because there are groups that can be like, oh, you don't have the right shoes. You don't have the right gear. Like, wh- what are you doing? You're wearing basketball shorts to hike. You know, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of judgment on that. Um, sometimes that I see and that can be really scary if you if it's like your first time hiking or you don't have the right shoes you're wearing sandals like what like you know yeah absolutely like I'll see like people hiking out here and like they might not have the right gear but they're getting out there and doing it and good for them to be using the trails that are public and open to anyone 100% that's just something I think about a lot like I don't know I just like studying diversity and culture and I'm just 
really into that maybe naturally as a teacher I don't know <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's um it's something I think about a lot and just like the lack of diversity I do see on the trails in Minnesota especially and part of it I think is because those people aren't necessarily raised in a household where that's the norm like going outside isn't the norm but like for Emily and me for example like growing up in camping like she said at the beginning was that's what we did mm-hmm. yeah yeah sometimes I tell my friends in Indonesia about like camping and stuff and some of them's like dude so many people are like trying to live in a house instead of like living outside in a tent like why are you trying to live outside in a tent because you have like you have I don't a know. house <laughs> yeah you have a house you don't need to live outside so like that perspective is super valid too it's like sometimes we do have too much privilege in a sense that like oh we don't have to think about where our food is going to come from where we are going to stay tonight or stuff like that and some people like they have no choice but to live outside in a tent but for some people it's like a recreational extra fun thing so i think just being aware that like we carry that privilege is like pretty powerful to kind of like open up our perspective and what's going on yeah that's absolutely so true cuz people are forced to live outside and forced to ration their food yeah but here we are doing it doing it for fun <laughs> yeah yeah the idea of like living outside is like the opposite <laughs> yeah <laughs> what you're trying to achieve yeah so I mean, is diversity, you you don't see a lot of diversity on the trails there? I think it really depends on the locations that we are in. I noticed that like a lot of my photographer friends who are a diverse group, because of photography, they are wanting to go outside and um, catch more sunrises and stuff like that, which is awesome. But I haven't personally like been affected by you know being a diverse couple like no one has said anything to me but I I do remember vaguely when I was like growing when I first moved to the U.S. where I was like wearing basketball shorts hiking and a couple was like looking at me and like kind of pointing at my shorts and stuff and you know it's like oh just a stupid high schooler or middle schooler that is not wearing the right attire or doesn't have the right jacket I've definitely felt those before but yeah yeah definitely I definitely do when people aren't wearing the proper footwear I definitely will kind of look at them and just think to myself you need proper footwear because I do see a lot of like new to hiking people wearing like flip-flops on a trail and I'm just like what are you doing yeah (laughs) yeah for sure you're gonna hurt your feet after a while (laughs) yes totally (laughs) yeah well that's kind of cool to hear that perspective because I just that's always something I kind of think about out on the trails like why why isn't there more diversity out here and I think that's what we're trying to do with our blog too is trying to make outdoors somewhat more accessible to everyone so not just I don't know the people that like to travel but just like to inspire them to get outside and that has been our biggest message and starting the blog is you know like the outdoor has no limits like you can be from any country and you would still experience the beauty of it yeah one of Um, the things that we uh something that we think about when we write something is I want someone to come off of that blog post being like oh my gosh I can do that mm -hmm. you know like Like attainable is one of the words we use one of the words we use people feel like equipped they know where they're going. They know how to get there. They know what to wear. Mm-hmm. They know what to expect. They can go and do it themselves. So I I like that about our blog, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's, again, like you make it easy to read. Like it's very factual and informative, but at the same time, they're like personable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good That's to hear good. from somebody 
yeah, I don't like reading like intensely factual things. So when there's like a little bit of like personality thrown into it, I'm like, okay, I can do this. Totally. Yeah. Someone's done it too. (laughs) Yes. Oh, well, awesome. We've gone all over the world. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was super fun to talk to you guys. Thank you so much for having us, Sarah. This has been really fun. Yeah. I've loved chatting with you guys. You guys are fun. We'll come meet you in person one day. Oh yeah. It's totally going to (laughs) happen. We love sharing these stories with you through the Hiking Through Life podcast, and we're so grateful that you listen to this podcast. If you'd like to support the Hiking Through Life podcast further, we have these amazing new t-shirts and water bottles. The t-shirts come in four colors, and the water bottles are perfect for trails, adventuring, or daily use. Consider checking them out at hikingthroughlife.net slash shop. Use the code podcast and receive 10% off your first order. You've been listening to the Hiking Through Life podcast. Peace, love, and hike through life.